Amen. Praise God for his faithfulness. Were it not for his faithfulness, I have no doubt where I would be right now. Um, It would not be here standing before you. It would be with that rich man crying out for that drop of water. Um, If you would turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, I'd like to begin by just saying thank you. Um, I'd like to thank the Lord for saving me and, and for enabling me and for finding me faithful and putting me into the ministry. I I thank Brother Hudson for the opportunity to speak to you today. I'm thankful to my church family for loving us. Um, I'm thankful for all the both members and for visitors for being here uh, to listen to what the Lord has given me such as it is. Um, There is no excitement or or joy at being last. Um, It's a lot. So but God is good and God is faithful, and I trust that the Lord will do the, the speaking here today. But I, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. Uh, it is an awesome responsibility and an awesome privilege to stand before you today and to open the Word of God and just share what the Lord has laid upon my heart. Um, I apologize in advance. You'll see I, I got a stack of notes here. The Lord had given me a, a message, and as the days went on and throughout this meeting, he just kept refining it refining it, refining it. And I actually found myself this morning at five o'clock this morning at the computer. I said, no, Lord, that isn't what you'd have me to say. Um, it, but it, honestly, it's a simple message, um, which makes sense because I'm a pretty simple guy. But it, it's uh, one that I hope will be a challenge and, and a blessing to each one of you. But uh, before we get there, I, I would ask that you pray with me. Father, thank you again for the opportunity. Lord, thank you for Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for loving us enough to come and die for us, Lord, to give us the gift of life. Lord, thank you for not just saving us, but giving us a church, giving us a family, giving us a purpose and a plan. And Lord, I thank you for each one who's come here, each one who desires to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them in this time. God, I pray as as I always do, Lord, that, that you would not allow me to say anything that you don't want said, Lord, that you would do the speaking, that you would be the one that, that brings the message to our hearts, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would make yourself evident here today. Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified through the time that we have here together. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Today, we are, are closing what has been, for me at least, a, a, a tremendous, amazing conference. Uh, it is a conference in which God has, has stirred me to see a vision. And where God has used these preachers to provoke us to act on the vision that we've received. And for just a few minutes, I'd like to look at, at really one verse and, and even to break it down more, just part of a verse. One that I've read hundreds of times in, in, in my life as a Christian, but one that God just truly arrested my spirit with in the last week. And, and as I meditated on it in, in connection with this meeting and, and the implications today, and I hope it's a blessing. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 it says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I will be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul here says in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul to the believers at the church at Philippi as he is sitting in a Roman prison. He is facing the threat of death, yet he says in verse 20, he says, don't worry, guys. I have an earnest expectation and a hope that whether I live or I die, whatever it is, I'm going to glorify God in in it. 
He says that, that I expect God to be glorified in my life and my death. And, and Brother Holmes spoke about giving glory to God through our lives. Paul says, I have that hope and that expectation for, verse 21, for, or because, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So when I die physically, that's going to be gain. I'm going to be in fellowship with my Lord in glory and, and it's going to be all perfect and obviously a gain. But when I die to self here in this life spiritually, then that is a gain for the, Lord, for the glory of the Lord to those that I meet, those that he puts in my path. However I live, I'm going to live for God. He, Paul here says boldly, clearly, succinct, succinctly that for me, it's all about Jesus. That is my life. For me, for to me to live is Christ. Let me ask you the question though today, the question that God has challenged me with this week is can you say that? Can you honestly say that? So Paul, Paul here says, to me, life is Christ, which gives the implication and understanding that it doesn't have to be that way for you. You don't necessarily have to live for Christ, but if you're going to glorify the Lord, you will live for Christ. Apostle Paul said that the purpose, the driving force, the, the motivation, the reason for his life, the center of all that he was and all that he did with this life is Christ. To me, to live is Christ. Now that is a testimony that springs from an understanding of truth. Truth that Christ is the source of life. Here's Paul, a Hebrew of Hebrews. A man raised in religion. A man who was both a Roman citizen and a Jewish Pharisee, which meant that he would have been kind of looked up to in both ends of society. He would have been respected. He was a somebody. Yet he cried out, he said, it means nothing. Sorry, I'm a spitting preacher today. He said, it means nothing without Christ. He is life. And another place he described it and said it is all as dung in comparison to Christ. Paul understood that no amount of religion, no amount of knowledge, no amount of good works, good intentions, good ideas, anything that we can do could ever reconcile our account or atone for our sins as we stand before the Lord. He said it's all about him. Paul was certain no amount of wealth or fame, no standing in society, no amount of celebrity or notoriety is ever going to earn you the righteousness of Christ. Paul understood that outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, without a faith in his finished work at Calvary, that we are all dead in our sins and trespasses. Paul understood it. And out of that understanding sprang the essence of who he was and everything he did with his time on this earth. To him, to live was Christ. Paul understood. But again... Do you? Do you understand that every man, woman, and child on this earth, and, and therefore in this building, is a sinner? Each one of us, whether you've been raised in church your whole life or this is your first time ever visiting, whether you're from the youngest child to the most senior of adults, every one of us has violated God's law. Therefore, that means each one of us is guilty in the eyes of a holy and righteous God. And without exception, each one of us is deserving of death and hell. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed unto all men, for that all have sinned. Every one of us has come short of the glory of God. Each one of us has sinned. The wages of sin is death. But understand that we aren't just sinners because we sin. 
We sin because we're sinners. That is our nature. That is who we are. And because of that nature, we are dead. Brother Hudson brought several amazing lessons on Wednesday nights that I would encourage you to go back and listen to if you haven't heard them about that that understanding that because of sin, we are born with a part of our nature that is dead. Dead inside. And we can waste a lifetime looking for ways to fill that void. We can, we can turn to alcohol, drugs, relationships, possessions, experiences, all sorts of things that, that Solomon described as vanity. Nothing will ever suffice. Nothing is ever going to do it. Nothing's ever going to fill that void. The only thing is the life found in and through a faith in Jesus Christ. The saving power of Christ is the only way to have that life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I can tell you that as a firsthand eyewitness because that is my testimony. As a, as a 21-year-old young man, male, I wouldn't say I was a man by any means of my actions, but as a 21-year-old man, I, I had done it all. I had lived a life of drugs and drinking and worldly experiences and all these things looking for a purpose. I had, I had read philosophy. I had looked for religion. I had looked for a purpose and a meaning, and, and it all came back vanity, pointless, a waste. And it wasn't until God showed his love to me through a preacher telling me about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary for me. And it wasn't through God in his church and, and a people that would show his love through their actions and taking me in as a stranger and saying, here, let us feed you. Let us give you a, an opportunity to rest. Let us do something to be a blessing for you as we share the love of Christ in our lives demonstrated for you. That, I can tell you that, that the only thing that will give you that life is Christ. Mankind in, in his fallen sinful state is spiritually dead already and when you die physically you are going to be you are condemned to an eternity in which your soul will be tormented in a lake of fire there will be eternal suffering and anguish separated from a loving god and i'm not going to belabor the point because brother pearson explained it more beautifully than i ever could brother tunnel reiterated it for us this morning hell is real The wages of sin is death, but that verse goes on and says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God is a just and righteous and holy God, but he is also a loving and a merciful God. And because of the love of God, he is not willing that any should perish. Because he is a loving God, there is good news, and that good news is a promise of life found through Jesus Christ and faith in him. I know it's a verse that that we oftentimes just... Recite by rote, but I'd ask you to turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, Christ speaking said, and as Mo, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ clearly explains to this religious Pharisee, Nicodemus, he says, we're condemned. All right, we're not waiting to be condemned. We are already condemned. We are simply waiting on God to mete out his righteous and perfect judgment in our lives. But for any and all, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, there is life. There's only way to to have life and to live is through Christ. 
to live is Christ. Jesus said that God so loved you that, he, that for any who would believe, he offers pardon, reconciliation, forgiveness. He offers the gift of eternal life. Again, if you're going to live, the only way to live is through Christ. That's why Jesus came. That was his ministry and his mission for three and a half years on this earth. Jesus said himself that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That was the point of his life on this earth. To rescue folks from hell, and for any who would hear the word, believing on him and trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection to have the gift of life. At that instant, being born again and now living in Christ eternally. To live is Christ. Paul understood it. As Brother Hudson would say, he got a hold of it. Paul got it. For me to live is Christ. He said, I have life because of him. That's Paul's testimony, but is it yours? Are you saved? See, until you get your salvation settled and secured, you really can't go any further. So I'd like to ask you right here and now, are you saved? Brother Tom, I appreciate the fact that you are, are bold and blunt and, and just bring it out there because I believe that's what God wants. That's God's intention. And I, I believe that it was very clear that God moved your message and, and the message that he gave me this morning in that direction. If you are not saved, if you are not sure, if you don't know where you're going to spend your eternity, but, but you, you, you feel that pull of the Holy Spirit, you feel that drawing of him unto, of you unto himself, then, then don't delay. Do not ignore the Lord's prompting, but simply lay down your pride, humble yourself, and come forward. And look, I want to encourage you, don't even say, well, I'll wait till the end of the service. I'll wait till the invitation. You don't know that you have that many breaths left. You could die right now. Let me encourage you. If you don't know you're saved, come now. Somebody will show you. We'll gladly wait for you. We will pray with you. We'll pray for you. We'll rejoice with the angels over you. If there's anybody here who does not know where they're going to spend eternity when they die. If you've never received that gift of eternal life, found only in faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, trusting that he died to pay your debt of sin, that he was laid in the grave, but that he rose again the third day to give evidence of his power over death and the grave, if you don't know that you're saved, then come. You know, it'd be naive to think that, that in a group this size that there is not someone here who's lost. Christ had 12, and one of them wasn't saved. If you're that one, it, it, let me tell you and, and, and reassure you, it's no accident that you're here today. God has brought you here providentially to hear message of salvation. But it's up to you to respond. You, know, you can put 100 preachers in a room, and, and sadly, the, the truth is that more than likely somebody's not saved. But you know, even for that one, if you're that one... Christ came because he loved you. And if you're that one, he came for you. So if you're that one, will you come to him? Well, by the response, I, I, I can surmise one of two things. Everybody here is professing one of two things. Either you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are saved through faith and a personal relationship in Jesus Christ, or, or you are lost, but not so convicted as to the point of action. And only you and the Lord know the answer to that, but I'm not going to linger on it and wait for, for a forced response. We're, we're going to move along. <clears throat> we're going to trust the Lord's will. Now you may be asking, why are you preaching a salvation message? This is missions. 
God answered why the, the preaching of a salvation message for us on Thursday night. We preach salvation because hell is real. And folks are headed to hell. Why preach a salvation message? Because every message is a salvation message. That is the message of the Bible. Salvation. That is missions. Salvation. That is why Christ came to offer himself to make a way of salvation. That is why Paul spent his entire saved adult life traveling the world preaching the gospel. Salvation. That is why these missionary families go to declare salvation to every creature. That is why God has placed this church here to preach salvation. To tell others of the life found only in trusting Christ. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. He said, I'm alive because of Christ. Therefore, my life belongs to Christ. And therefore, I'm going to live for Christ. See, if you have life through Christ, then you are called to live for Christ. Once you have been saved by Christ, you are called to surrender to Christ. Paul understood it. Paul modeled it for us throughout his life. So if you're saved, are you surrendered? Are you serving? Jesus is the reason for your life. But is he the reason for your life? I don't intend to spend a whole lot of time here, but the Bible is clear. If you're saved, you are to surrender. Surrender is demonstrated through service to Christ, submitting to his will and living for him. For to me to live is Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We we like that verse. We'll go there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We all say amen to that. Praise God for his grace and, and the faith in saving us. But let's keep reading. It says, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are saved by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary, but we are saved unto good works. We are to walk in them. That means live. If you're alive in Christ, you're to live for Christ. James says we are to be doers of the word. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, Paul told those churches in Galatia in in chapter 2, verse 20, uh, he said, I've died to myself. I'm crucified with Christ. Yet, Yet just as much as Christ is alive, I am alive through Christ. I'm obviously paraphrasing. I am alive for Christ and my life will demonstrate my faith in Christ. If you're saved, you're called to surrender. If you're alive in Christ, then you are called to live for Christ. So simply my my first question is, are you saved? If you aren't sure that you're saved, get it right. Get it settled today. The invitation is open. You don't have to leave here not knowing. But secondly, if you are saved, I'd ask, are you serving? Are you living for Christ? Well, how do I demonstrate that? How, how do I live out this faith that's in me? How, how can I be a doer of the word? How, how can I obey those commands? What, what is it? Well, glad you asked. For example, God makes very clear in all four of the Gospels a command to his church. An expectation to every believer that, that is a follower of Christ. As a, as a church, we are to go out and to share the gospel, that great commission. If you're saved, the expectation is you would serve and you'd obey the Great Commission. The purpose of this missions conference 
As Brother Hudson described it, this meeting for revival through missions. The, the driving goal and, and the theme, you see it published on, on the booklets and the handouts and on the banner, is that it's about sending the gospel and preaching salvation to every nation. Sending and sharing, the, taking the good news of salvation to every nation. The central verse of this conference is found in Acts 1-8, and I'm going to ask you to turn there and we'll spend the remainder of our time in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So we seek an application, how we can be doers, how we can live out that faith. We find the answer in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where we read, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is the, the, the fifth iteration of what we call the, the Great Commission. It's found in all four of the Gospels plus here. It's God's marching orders for his church. This verse states the purpose for all that we do as a church. That is our mission statement. And really, it's so simple, it's profound. The first part of the verse, he says here, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Okay, so he's talking to saved people. You are saved, you are immediately sealed and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He's talking to his people. Right, so we know who the audience is. Christians, church. So what are we to do? If he's talking to us, what does he say? That, what's the command? Where are we? He says, ye shall. Now that's not a suggestion for us to consider, think about, maybe potentially enact. That is a statement. It is a command to be obeyed as he enables. He says, you will. That word ye, ye shall, ye is a pronoun. We like pronouns today. Uh, that is a pronoun. It's the, the Middle English second person plural form of our modern word y'all. It says, I'm, I'm talking to y'all. All of you. Speaking to us collectively as a church body, but also individually as members of the body. He says, you shall. Shall what, Lord? What's it say? Anybody got their Bibles open? You shall be witnesses. Simple as that. I believe it was Lee Robertson who said, A witness is one who tells what he knows. We are to tell what Christ has done for us, what he can do for every person who will come unto him by faith. We are to testify. Share what we know of Jesus. Tell others what he did for us, what he did for you. As I said, if he's never done anything for you, if you're not saved, you've got nothing to tell. So you make sure of your own salvation and then share the testimony of your salvation. Be a witness of how God took you from where you were, headed for hell, and what he's brought you to. We are commanded to proclaim the good news of salvation. We are to tell a lost and condemned world about Christ. And so because of that, understanding that, we invite men and their families to come and share with us. To tell us how they intend to go out. Tell about the life that they now have through Christ. We invite them to show us how they will demonstrate a testimony of surrender and service. We invite them to come and share with us how for them to live as Christ. But do we ask ourselves the same? 
We ask and we pray the Lord to grow our faith in giving, and, and we pray and we seek the Lord's will, and, and by faith uh, we promise to give financial support to them in their labors. We trust that God will give us the resources to pass along to them as they go, because he said there that, that we're to go to the uttermost parts. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So we give to missions. But before we get all the way over there with them to the uttermost parts, I'd like to bring you back to the middle of that passage to, to a four-letter word. That word there, it says both. You shall be witnesses unto me both. And I hope you realize we can't be everywhere at the, uh, all at the same time. Most of us don't want to go to the uttermost. Brother, I'm so glad you were called to Papua New Guinea because, praise the Lord, not for me. Lord, if the Lord called, I'd go. I think. A- after some wrestling, I would definitely go. <laughs> Most of us don't want to go to the uttermost. So we send missionaries. And, and that's right. That's biblical. That's God's command. We're to go to the uttermost. So if we can't all go, we got to send somebody. So we're going to support the ones that go. We support those that go, and we need to faithfully pray for them. We need to faithfully support them financially. We need to invest in them as much as they have invested their lives in Christ. We can't go there and tell. They can't stay here and tell. So how's it get done? It says it's to be both. It's not an either or. It's both at the same time. That means that you and I, church... Everyone that sat here and a few moments ago professed to be saved, made alive through Christ, we too must be faithful. We too must live our lives for Christ. You know, no amount of praying for or giving to a missionary is ever going to absolve you of your responsibility to go. We are all commanded to obey the Great Commission. And and we have prayed all week long that God would, would, that someone would surrender to the work of missions. That, that someone would step out by faith and say, here am I, Lord, send me. And, and maybe I'm alone in this, but, but often as I pray, I think of that one that says, I'll go to New Guinea. I'll go to Argentina. I'll go to Ukraine. I'll go to the uttermost. And, and we definitely need more of those individuals, and we should pray for those. Or we think of the one that says, I'll go to the Samaritan, that down and outer, that drunk, that drug addict, that one that, that we see in opposition as an enemy, and we need those that would go. But God help us and break us to surrender to go to our Jerusalem ourselves. It must be both. And we look at videos and slideshows of folks in other countries and it breaks our hearts. Yet we walk right past our neighbors without so much as a second thought. God help us to be compassionate. God help us to see our Jerusalem as Christ saw it. To have our eyes opened. To see that harvest all around us and to go. To be witnesses unto him in our Jerusalem. We've been praying all week for somebody to surrender their life to missions. I believe God's waiting for you to surrender yours and for me to surrender mine to our mission field here. You know, too often we wait and say, well, I'm waiting for a call. I'm waiting for a specific burden. And if God gives you one, then praise God, you better respond. But until he does, then you need to understand that the call has been given. All four Gospels in here in this verse. God has called you to Fort Worth. 
Those folks outside those doors should be your burden and my burden. May God give us a burden for lost souls. May we do our part here as these families faithfully do their part elsewhere. Are you saved? Are you surrendered? Can you honestly say that to me, to live is Christ? Would you be willing to die to self for the gain of God's glory? I believe that God is speaking to our hearts right now. God's calling for action on our part. God demands and deserves a response. So the only other question is, how will we respond? Let's all stand. Father, I thank you again for your word. Lord, I thank you for your son. I thank you for laying this upon my heart, God, and I pray that I would faithfully respond to you. But Lord, I, I, I believe and, and trust that this message was not just for me, Lord, but for each one of us here. So Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would break us, Lord, encourage us, convict us, make us into those vessels that we know we should be, that you desire for us to be. God, give us a vision, give us a passion and a burden for those around us. Lord, may we reach our Jerusalem as we support those that go to the uttermost. Lord, I pray that we would make it our life's mission to do both. That we would die to self, live for you, for your glory. We ask you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, for his sake. Amen. Page 155. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, thou art the potter, I am the grave, only and
made to live as Christ. Over there in Galatians, he said, it's not I, but Christ. I just told the preacher, he said it was a simple message. Simple's always best. You can't avoid what he just said. You are either, you can either say this, for to me, to live is Christ. And if that's true, then to die is Christ. But if it's not true, you can't say it. For to me, to live is for the TV set, or the computer, or the car, or the job, or the or or something, or the pleasures. You know, uh, we come to the end of the meeting. We've been challenged in every message. But, but the, the meeting is just beginning. Now we have to answer. Is it, is, is it not I but Christ? Is it me living for Christ? Is it a pity party? And I'm blaming everything and everybody but me. And trying to get some satisfaction in my flesh. Think about that as this, we sing this verse. Maybe, maybe it's time for just step up and say, yes, I want to claim that promise. I want to live for Christ. I want to live in such a way that when it comes that time to die is Christ. Get myself out of the picture and, and make it Christ in me the hope of glory. Let's sing one more verse, brother. Have thine own church member I lead 
two or three lives. I got a work life, a fun life, and a church life, or something. Every one of these guys that we're going to support, and I know you admire every one of them that were here with us, they're the heroes. But every one of them had to come to a place that they said, for to me, to live is Christ. And if we ever grow, there comes that day when you have to shuck some stuff off and say, Lord, here I am and make of me what you want me to be. And I'll live as Christ. Over in 1 John, in that last chapter of 1 John, he said, some of you are the only Christ that this world will ever see. And until you turn to be him for them, they'll never be saved. Well, I believe we'll sing one more verse. Right? And so good to be with the people. You know, it's not only the heroes that stood up here and preached to us. It's the heroes that worked in the kitchen. It's the heroes that cleaned the, the house. It's the heroes who every day take a stand for Jesus and just live for him. It's what we call life, just living for Jesus. Oh, it's been good to be here. I, oh, Peter said, well, just build three tabernacles and stay up here on the mountain. <laughs> be wonderful, wouldn't it? It's been a blessing. Amen. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in these coming days. He is, and we got the opportunity, everybody, I, I said this to some of the men this week, everybody talks about 
what Metropolitan has been down through the years. Not a one of us can go back there and live. It starts right here today. C.T. Studd said, one life will soon be passed. What's done for Jesus is absolutely all that will last. And somebody said, today's the first day of the rest of your life. So I just, I just hope we'll leave here with this. I tried to lay it on the altar. I don't know how much time I got left, but I want it to be his. I want whatever I got left, I want him to live it through me. I look around at young people who are burning themselves out, going every direction. Don't waste your life. Let him have your life. That's all I say. Not Some of us young people are trying to turn our lives. So as we go from here, we go as the only Christ that's in that uh, Lake Worth and Saginaw and Azel and Weatherford, all these places—that's we're the shot, we're the light for a crooked and perverse generation. So, uh, Brother Corey, would you dismiss us, please? What a blessing to be with you. be dismissed with our course till the whole world knows till the whole world